Welcome to Coin and Knee on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dominic Romaldi filling in for t- uh, Tom Brown today. And today we're talking about the same-sex controversy, a book written by Dr. James White. And he allowed me to use the title today. And I just want to, for a second, just open up to the first chapter of the second chapter of Genesis. And, and we should know these texts as Christians. It's when uh, God obviously um, forms man and, and man is is now on the earth. And, and, and God, in, in verse 21, says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of that uh, at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I just want to go to another creation narrative in Romans 1 and just uh, just read a couple of verses out of here and uh, read something from Rob Bell and then let uh, Dr. White expound on, on this. So uh, verse 1 and 25 in Romans, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For they, a woman, exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now, just to say this, these are both creation narratives, but in Romans we have the natural function of the creator turned into an unnatural function. And I'm going to make Dr. White talk about this in a second. I think the term would be Eistain parafusin, and that's that this unnatural, something done unnatural to the created order of, and I'll, I'll have Dr. White expound on that. But I do want to say this, because uh, Dr. White did write, a book on the authority of scripture, but Rob Bell said this, Rob Bell said this, and I'm, I'm, and we'll make Dr. White expound on both these issues. Bell warned that if the church keeps resisting same-sex marriage, it would continue to be more irrelevant. I think culture is already there, and the church will continue to be more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. When you have in front of you flesh and blood, people who are brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and co-workers and neighbors, they love each other, love each other and just want to go through life, he said. Dr. White, you wrote a book on the on the on sola scriptura, on the scripture alone. Rob Bell is saying that if this is all we have to trust, we're in trouble. So deal with the 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 nature being usurped and deal with Rob Bell basically saying scripture is, is not enough. Well, uh, obviously there's, there's a number of different issues that were raised uh, in the various texts you brought up. I'll, I'll go backwards. Uh, Rob Bell obviously does not believe that God has spoken to us in scripture in the way that Jesus believed that God has spoken to us in scripture. Um, and, the view that we have of the nature of Scripture will determine where we end up coming down on this issue. And I have been saying for a number of years now that what we're going to see is a fundamental reorientation of terms like evangelical. I think that the word is not going to have much meaning. It doesn't have much meaning right now, but it's going to have even less meaning in the future. 
uh, because of the fact that already the, the fault lines exist in how we view Scripture. Uh, Jesus had such a high view of Scripture that he could say to the Sadducees in Matthew chapter 22, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Now, that was in a context of proving the point of the resurrection. But when you listen to what Jesus said, he said, have you not read what God spoke to you, saying, and then he quotes from the Exodus account. So in Jesus' words, in Jesus' understanding of Scripture, what had been written 1,400 years earlier was God speaking, and so much was it God speaking that to read it today was the same thing as if God had actually literally spoken it to you. So Mm -hmm. if you have that view of Scripture, then you're not going to be able to say the things that Rob Bell says because Rob Bell doesn't have the confidence that what God spoke 2,000 years ago could remain relevant today, that it's living and abiding, that that man, he, he seems to think that man has, has developed past uh, the Stone Age views of the Scripture, as right, if right. the Scriptures can only represent the worldview of their authors and not believe what Peter said, and that is that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, liberalism and that, uh, that entire realm of, quote-unquote, churchianity uh, has no basis of standing against this movement within our society to completely redefine marriage in a way that is rebellious against God's decree. The second thing is you, you brought up uh, the book of Genesis. And again, I think it's vitally important for Christians. We need to know the, the passages in Leviticus 18, Leviticus right, 20, right. Genesis 18, uh, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 1. We need to know those texts that specifically refer to homosexuality and why they say what they say. But if that's where we start, we're missing the boat. Right. Because the reason there are only a certain number of texts that address this issue is because of the overwhelming positive presentation of the Scripture regarding God's purpose in regards to male and female. And so when we look back at Genesis, we discover once again that if we're followers of Christ, he quoted from this very section of Scripture in response to the challenge that was given to him in Matthew chapter 19 in regards to marriage. And he said, uh, again, it is, it is written, have you not read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? Uh, just in light of what happened this past weekend on uh, ABC uh, with the two-hour infomercial uh, promoting uh, gender rebellion. And that's what we need to, we need to, we need to be careful in the, in the terminology we're using. Yes. This isn't gender confusion. This is gender rebellion. Yes. Um, because God is the one who determines, I mean, how many times in Scripture is God is the one who opens the womb. God is the one who gives, uh, gives children. God is the one who, who forms this in the womb. Uh, for someone today to say, I'm not actually a male, I'm actually a female, or I'm any one of the, how many options did Facebook offer? 48? I forgot how many it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a ridiculous number. Is the ultimate example of human autonomy, where mankind is saying, I don't care what God says. I am going to determine my own reality, even if it is against the reality that I have to face every, every single day. And so Jesus quoted from Genesis chapter 2, and he held people accountable for recognizing the fundamental truths that that text revealed. Now, what happens today? Uh, well, if you quote from either Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, you're going to hear the other side say, well, that's one of two contradictory creation accounts and so on and so forth. It goes back to their utilization of liberal uh, quote-unquote, Christian theology to try to undercut the authority of the text, which, again, would require you to believe that Jesus really didn't know 
he wasn't up to speed right. on these things, uh, which means you really can't believe he was the son of God. You can't believe he was the incarnate son of God. You can't really believe he was, he, he was who he claimed to be. Um, and that's why this quote-unquote gay Christian movement does not have a foundation to maintain any level of orthodoxy for any period of time at all. And when you follow up on people who embrace this, you will see that very quickly they abandon all elements of Christian orthodoxy in regards to who God is, who Christ is, what the atonement is, etc., etc. So when we look at Genesis chapter 2, I think it's very important that we, we give a positive presentation of what the Bible teaches concerning human sexuality and the fact that maleness and femaleness are good things and they were decreed by God. And yes. if we want to live in a culture of life rather than a culture of death, then we need to be focused upon following the God who is the source of life. And he has revealed to us that to have that life is to recognize who he is and who we are in light of that. And he says in, in Genesis chapter 2, he specifically says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Eitzer Konegdo is a, is a Hebrew phrase that everyone should memorize. I don't care whether you could ever recognize it in Hebrew or not. I think everyone should just be running around uh, with Eitzer uh, Konegdo in, in their minds as to uh, what, what that, that phrase means. A one, the, the term refers to a helper who is like unto you and yet distinguished from you. So there is a mutuality. There is a meeting of a need that you cannot meet in and of yourself. There is a complementarianism that is inherent in the relationship between male and female, not just physically in regards to the necessary propagation of the species, but in so many other ways as well. That is a part of biblical revelation. Every church that has already collapsed on this issue, and there are many, almost all liberal churches collapsed on these issues half a century ago or more, every church that has already collapsed on this has no leg to stand on whatsoever in dealing with now the redefinition of marriage. Um, only those who take seriously the creative intention of God in creating male and female, um, can then point out that one of the fundamental problems with the entire concept of, and this is how it's always phrased, lifelong, committed, loving homosexual relationships, which, by the way, represents at the very highest amount, 5 to 3% exactly. of <clears throat> the especially male homosexual experience. Um, but even utilizing that kind of phraseology, when someone says, what could ever be wrong with that? Uh, the Christian understanding the biblical revelation says, because God did not design us to fall in love with a mirror. And that's what yeah, homosexuality is. It, yes. is. it is fundamentally narcissistic, because that is another you. Now, I can tell you, and I've been married a lot longer than you have, uh, but, uh, but I can guarantee you that you've already learned this. Um, living with a woman changes a man. And, Without a doubt. And, yes, and, I, I and, if, and if we're being <laughs> honest ourselves, yes. in many very good and necessary ways. Without a doubt. Okay? Uh, and the, 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 male, the male's ability to consistently interact with things in life and not be ruled over by emotion can be extremely helpful for the woman as well. Now, I'm, I realize there's all sorts of different, different you know, experiences that people have. The point is, 
that there is a complementary relationship between the man and the woman. I did not fall in love with a mirror image of myself. And when we talk about marriage, when we say, I married Kelly, the verb is colored and determined in its meaning by its direct object. And the Supreme Court tomorrow is going to be talking about removing fundamental meaning from the English language and our experience in the, same, in the process. What an honor to have Dr. White. I mean, this is really, this is eye-opening for all of us. And, 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 and I talk about the emotion. We're going to break. We have about 30 seconds before we break. But, and we'll talk about the Reformation Project on the other side. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dominic Romaldi filling in for Tom Brown. We'll be back in a few minutes, 602-274-1360.